Welcome back once again to season four of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking. It's called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season and last season has been focused on interviewing people who did or planned to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame the past. And as much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show your support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal or leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. You can find the links for the books or donation options in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. folks, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood, as always. I have such an incredible guest with me today, and I'm super excited to introduce her. She's a former journalist. Uh, she has se- she's got several books. She's got a book of devotions, a book of poetry. It's just really fascinating stuff. But she is also a podcast host with a faith-based podcast and ministry. I want to welcome to the show Yvette Walker. Amanda, hi. I'm so glad to be here. I am super excited to actually have you on my podcast. This is my little tiny podcast, this little <laughs> modest thing. You are like a big deal to me. I love what you do. I was super excited to uh, kind of get to know you through Podmatch. And I just think that what you do is so powerful and amazing. And I'm, I'm, I haven't even met you in person, but I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything that you have accomplished and you've done. Oh, well, thank you so much. And you know what? We're going to have to remedy that because I will be in your neck of the woods this summer. So we're going to meet for sure. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. (laughs) I would love that. So all the people that are listening, we do pre-record this episode. This is right now. It's actually only April, but this is going to be airing at Christmas time. So by the time you guys hear this, it will have already happened that Yvette and I will have met, hopefully. If, yes, if yes. God's willing. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited about it. So what are you going to be in town for? My Visiting my sister. She's in that area. And um, also, there is a big podcast conference that I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to go to yet or not. But there's a big podcast conference right in your neck of the woods. So that's something that we definitely should check, check out together yes. if I can make that work. Yes, please come, please come. I'm already planning on it. My husband's like, you should do this. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, from what I understand, there's an affiliate link I might be able to send you where you might get a discount. So. Oh, yay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, where are you originally from? I'm a Chicago girl. I'm originally from Chicago, south side of Chicago. Um, but I know the city very well because I live on, I lived on the South side, but went to high school on the North side. So I had a two hour trek every day, two hours each way back and, and, you know, forward and backward, um, to go to high school. Now on some mornings when my mother and sometimes my sister would take pity on me, they would drive me. And then that was only 45 minutes, (laughs) but uh, I, I love Chicago and I haven't lived there in a while because, um, 
you know, as you, as you noted, I got into journalism and uh, with some journalists, you move around, you know, you, you get that initial job, but then you want to get more experience and you move around. So after college, I only lived in Chicago, like another two years or so. And then I started moving around. So haven't lived there in a long time, but I still consider it my hometown. Um, it's, it's such a great city. Love it. And, um, but I've moved around a lot and I have lived in, so let me, let me get this straight. Uh, Gary, Indiana, uh, Dallas, Texas, Detroit, Michigan, Austin, Texas, Kansas city, Missouri, um, uh, Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Uh, and now I'm going back to Kansas city. For you want me? Do you want me to reveal it now? Yes. <laughs> so I, I right now I am an assistant dean at a university in Oklahoma, teaching journalism, and I have the opportunity to go back to journalism. So by the time you hear this, I will be six months in, uh, back in full time journalism, which is my really my first passion, and um, something that I actually hope my students see as you know understanding how important journalism is going back to kansas city so that's going to be pretty awesome that is amazing is this something that's been in the works for a long time uh a couple of months and the way you know the way god timed it it took too long for me obviously right because i'm (laughs) impatient um but the way god timed it everything just seemed to align itself now i'm in the process of trying to clean the house out and that's never fun (laughs) <laughs> um, but other than that, yes, I, I definitely think it's it was the right thing to do. And I believe it's a time for me to get my voice back in. And, you know, as podcasters, we do have a voice, but to share that perhaps um, uh, in a different way in the society of today and in the next political cycle that's going to go through soon. And I mean, I, you know, I just Jesus has given me a voice of reason. And I want to share that with people. That is beautiful. And I know you share this through your podcast, but you have so much going on. How often do you have the platform to be able to speak about your, uh, your faith and, and what God has done in your life? Yeah. So the, the podcast is called Positively Joy. There's a funny story behind that that I'll share in a minute. Uh, it's weekly. Although the, the, the move, the, the upcoming move or, you know, upcoming now, of course, um, it's taken a lot, put a lot on my plate, I should say, taken away some of my energy. And so um, I'm, I am going to, by hook or by crook, get one out this week, <laughs> but generally it's weekly and it started back in May of 2020. So it's been going strong since then. And wow. um, I'm, I'm excited to say that we, I've, I've surpassed 50,000 downloads or, well, let's see, I'm, I'm close. I'm close. If I haven't quite surpassed it yet, I'm close and um, pretty excited about that. And going into its fifth season, I, I started to break up the, the seasons or, you know, break up uh, when I was doing the, the different, um, uh, I guess the different themes that I was talking about into seasons and um, so going into the fifth season, which will start pretty soon, although, you know, because of what's going on, I may delay it just a little bit, but um, I've already interviewed for that season and we're going to be talking about spiritual growth. So I'm excited about that. Oh, fantastic. That's very cool. Did you grow up in the church? 
Yes, yes. So I actually was raised Catholic. And if you don't know, uh, Catholicism is pretty big in Chicago. It's There's a lot of Catholics in Chicago. So I was raised Catholic, which is, which is Christian. Some people really don't know anything about Catholicism. So I'll just say, yes, we do believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Uh, he is, you know, there's, there's, we believe in the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit. Um, so yes, I was baptized as a baby raised in Catholic elementary school and Catholic high school. And I thought about going to a religious college, but I decided not to, and I wanted to go into journalism. I knew that. So being in Chicago, there's a really great journalism school right there called the Medill School of Journalism that's at Northwestern University. So I went there for college and then started reporting. Wow. And when you were reporting, was it for uh, a newspaper? Was it for magazines? What all were you writing for? Yeah. So, you know, this was, this was pre-digital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, writing, writing for newspapers. Um, yeah. Writing for newspapers for sure. Um, it's uh and it's interesting because when you are a young journalist, typically a young reporter, they give you a beat, which is an area of concentration. So you might cover the school district, you might cover city hall, but they are reporters, young reporters, the police beat for whatever reason. I've never quite understood why they do that, because I believe the police beat is one of the most important beats in the whole uh, operation and we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we're brand, we're brand new, but That's I will, a deep into the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you this, um, covering police, covering crime in Gary, Indiana, which was my first newspaper, um, definitely became a spiritual thing because, uh, at that time, Gary, Indiana was murder capital per capita. So, so per capita for a city of its size, it was the murder capital in the country, which means I was reporting on a lot of crimes, a lot of murders. I saw a dead body in the street bleeding. I mean, it's things that you would just, um, and, and I will say journalists do either witness or have to discuss, write about, edit difficult stories sometimes. And I think it's helpful to have a faith background to help you get through that, but at the time when I was a young reporter, uh, I was, I definitely had, I definitely had to lean on him and I probably didn't even do it in the way that I know I should now, but you know, I was witnessing these things. I covered a serial killer that went through Northwest Indiana. Oh my gosh. And yeah, no, really. I'm not kidding. And, um, there were a couple of stories that I did that, that basically made me decide it's time to go. Because I was getting desensitized. Clearly, oh. I was getting desensitized from, from, the, from this content that I was covering every day. So when the serial killer killed um, a, a couple, several people, but there were two that I covered. One was a little girl who was seven years old. And then the other one was a 25-year-old woman who was just, you know, a Bible study um, leader and just every, by all accounts, everyone said she was wonderful. Um, When they found the body of the little girl that did something to me, I I just, I think in my mind, I think we'd always, we're going to, was going to find her. Okay. But when they found her body, it did something to me. I will say this. And it's the other reason why 
journalism is important and I feel very strongly about it. When they were looking for the body of the older girl, they couldn't find her, but they found a body in Detroit. So one of the family members, it was either, I think it was the father flew out to Detroit to identify the body. And then he was, he, he was going to call back in and say, yeah, this is her or no, this is not her. The family, and I don't know why, but the family allowed me to sit with them awaiting the phone call. Mm-hmm. I do not know why they would have a reporter in their living room with them. We were all crying. You have to know that. I was taking notes, crying, ink running, because we just were all crying. And I say that to say, I think God has given me an ability to connect with people on some level. Uh, In that case, they trusted me certainly to be in their home, awaiting this very, very important phone call and to allow me to write about it. And so that was important for me to get that job done and to do it well and to treat them with dignity. I think it's so important. And these are the things that I talk to my students about, you know? Yeah. But, but when they found the little girl that did something to me, and then the very last story I wrote was about, uh, and for some, for some reason, the murder of another Bible study teacher. This was an old lady. Uh, she'd been in the neighborhood for years. Everybody loved her, but she was found stabbed to death. Turned out these three girls, when I say girls, I mean, teenage girls did this because mm-hmm. they thought that there was money in the house and the police and they shouldn't have done this, but the police allowed me to watch the interrogation of one of the girls and that her testimony. And I use the word testimony, not in a faith way was, was chilling and horrifying. And I decided it's time for me to leave this place and stop reporting about on crime. So I left Gary after being there for two years and I went to Dallas where I began to do some editing um, in the features department. So completely different type of, of news and information. And, um, and then my career just went from there. Wow. That is what a wild story. Yeah. And- it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I know people are going to be curious to know which serial killer. Are you okay with saying who it was? Oh, sure. His name is Elton Coleman. He had a, an accomplice, a female accomplice, if you can believe it, named Deborah. And I am blanking on her last name right now, but it's easy to look up. Right. Mm-hmm. You can probably find your articles on it. Well, probably not because, again, pre-digital. <laughs> I've, oh, looked yeah. for, I've looked for them and I can't find. But I do have, um, I, you know, I do have some copies that I, I was able to save. But I, have, I tried to look for that and, yeah, they didn't save any of that stuff back then. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. And I'm so glad you got out of it. Cause I mean, I've done a lot of research because of my own life. I've done a lot of research on the impacts of trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. the stages of trauma, trauma reactions, all that kind of stuff. And there's long-term consequences to having uh, repeated exposure to traumas like this, you know, it's absolutely right. And and there's even uh, an Institute called the DART center for trauma in journalism Oh, that wow. addresses addresses that very thing. So you're absolutely right. Oh my gosh, I didn't know such a thing even existed. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Man, I, do they offer like counseling and therapy services? What yeah. kind of stuff do they offer? 
Yeah, just exactly that. Like, you know, people who covered 9-11, people who covered um, the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, war correspondents, all of that, that see, even, I mean, you know, I saw, I saw a lot of crime and, and things, but I haven't seen stuff like that. So yeah. they, they offer services to the local reporter all the way to people who have really been in places of trauma and, and had to cover it. That is really cool. I love to hear that there's resources out there mm-hmm. just available to the people who need it most. Yeah. yeah. It's very nice. Podcast has been going since 2020. Yeah. So started in the pandemic. A lot of us did. Yep, and me too. <laughs> I, I said that I kind of had a, a funny story about the name. So I knew I was going to, I was going to do a podcast because I was like, okay, you know, I've been trying to think of what to do. I, I wanted to do a podcast, but it, there was something that always got in the way. It was too hard, you know, here. So here I am at home, blessed to be able to work from home. And I said, I, you know, this shouldn't be this hard. I should be able to figure it out. I have my computer with me. I have some software. Let's just figure this out. So I said, okay, I'm going to start. And it's going to be on what I like to call the intersection of beauty, hair, and politics. <laughs> I wanted to talk about standards of beauty and the way people see people and hair and all of this, because that's kind of my life. Um, and it's, and that's a great idea for a podcast. Somebody should do it. But the Lord told me, Nope, you're going to start a podcast, but it's going to be on joy. Mm. And I said, Oh, okay. Cause you always say yes, Lord. And, um, <laughs> I, okay, well, what are we going to do? And, and, over time, he had he began to reveal to me, I think, the message that he really wanted me to get out there. But, but at that time, I just knew joy. That's all I knew. And so I said, okay, so this is going to be called Finding Joy. And of course, you know, when you're a podcaster and you're just getting started, unless you are the kind that does some planning in advance, and that's not me, I'm a seat of the pants kind of <laughs> r- r- girl. Um, I just said, it's going to be Finding Joy. Let's get that started. So if you go back to the like original, like, number one episode, it says, welcome to the Finding Joy podcast. But then I realized, oh, there's a lot of other podcasts out there that either are called Finding Joy or something like that. And I said, I think I need a new name. And the Lord gave me this name that to me at the time made no sense at all. And so I heard Positively Joy. Now, I've already told you that I'm a journalist. I'm a little bit of a word, word nerd wordsmith, word nerd. And so I said, but Lord, that's not grammatically correct. (laughs) Because it's not. I mean, I just, I knew that instantly, which is why I always tell people, he gave me this name. This would never come from me. I would never call this positively joy because it would be positively joyous or positively joyful. So I know that's how he gave me this name because again, I never would have picked it. And, um, but people seem to like the name. I don't know if it's catchy or something. So um, that's what we went with. It's positively joy. And over time, as I said, he began to reveal um, that he wants people to understand that, that, that we should be seeking the true nature of God joy and not what we think joy is like being happy all the time or something like that. Cause he didn't promise us that he promised right. that he would be with us. And that if we, as we see in the signature scripture of the podcast, which comes from John chapter 15, I like to call it Jesus's DIY because he <laughs> says, if you um, 
you know, if you abide in the Father's love and you do his will, then you will be filled with the only joy that will complete you. And I think we are chasing, people in this world are chasing joy or what they think joy is. They're chasing, um, you know, alcohol, substances, drugs. They're chasing food. You know, I've had an issue with food all my life. They're chasing people, relationships. They're chasing all these things that they really shouldn't be chasing. They should really only be chasing the one important source of joy, which is God. But that joy doesn't look like what we think it's supposed to look like sometimes. So that's what the pot, the uh, podcast is about. It's an interview show. Of course, that's my comfort level. I, I enjoy talking to people. I'm a journalist. So um, I talk to them about, you know, their stories like you're doing with me today and to try to understand um, where they found joy in their stories, even though there could be tragic, you know, circumstances that happened. Oh, absolutely. I I have personally lived that life. So I'm a survivor of human trafficking. And even in the darkest hour of my trafficking, I was thanking God for things that he hadn't yet done because I had faith that he was going to pull me out of that. And Mm -hmm. in that uh, praising God for miracles not yet happened, I found that that joy. And it's, you're right. It is not what we sometimes are led to believe that it's going to look like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a different world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. So beautiful when we can find that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are struggling with finding their identities too, because like you said, they're, they're chasing other things. You know, a, a lot of people are trying to chase celebrity status now that we have social media. Absolutely. Um, this is so harmful. We're doing all we can to look good in the eyes of other people rather than being a good person in the eyes of God. So true. So my husband likes to call it insta-lifing when I'm taking <laughs> a picture and it's, you know, I was like, okay, like he, he likes to cook. So I'll take a picture. I'm like, okay, no, move that out of the way. I just want to get this plate. He's like, oh, you're insta-lifing again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just want it to look nice, right? <laughs> no. And, and, and that's just, you know, a small thing, but you're right. I, I agree with you. We, you know, we, we want to, look like these people that we think embody just everything, you know? Right. And we feel a lot of imposter syndrome. I know I have in the past and I still do in many areas. Um, So we're looking to these other people who frankly, um, if, and some do, some are very transparent. Um, But if we really looked at their lives, we would see that it's just as messed up as ours. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. We don't escape unharmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you happen to have a copy of your book handy that you would like to take a little excerpt from, from I, for our audience? I do, yeah. So the book is called Whispering in His Ear, A Month of Joyful Conversations with God. It comes from my desire to be able to hear from God because, as I told you, I grew up in the Catholic Church. When I was a little girl, I'd spend a lot of time actually in the church building it just felt like it was, it was like a haven. It was my solace. I felt very comfortable there. And, um, I, you know, when I was a little girl, I felt like I could talk with God and I could hear him. But then as we grew up or as I grew up, you know, and, you know, you, 
you start dating, you have harder classes, you get into the world, you have your first job, all those things. And for me, the voice got smaller and smaller and I couldn't hear him anymore. Mm-hmm. And one day I was at a church um, with my then fiance, now husband. Um, I started crying at this song in the middle of worship. I mean, when I say crying, I mean blubbering. <laughs> so I kind of get myself together and we're, we're, you know, we're leaving. And he says, are you okay? And I said, I was just sad because I can't hear God's voice anymore. And then he said something that was so profound, but I didn't understand it then. And he said, don't you think you just did? <laughs> and so that kind of led me to... <laughs> A seeking. I mean, I've always believed, but then I began to be what I like to call a seeker of of Christ. And you know, the, I went to I went to a, a conference where I had a breakthrough and came back and just started writing like crazy. You know, I wrote this book came out of that time. Um, I began to write song lyrics just in a way that I'd never written before. Not this kind of content. I'd never written for God before. And so this book came out of it. I called it Whispering His Ear because um, that was part of the path. And I'm going to read from uh, chapter two, really conversation number two, because I call them uh, a month of, of conversations. And it's called Joy Robber. And I'll begin. Okay. Hello, God. Thank you for the wisdom in my small groups at church, even if I sometimes don't see it. My small group, Uh, They give me joy, friendship, and sometimes revelation. I write about them often in this devotional. In one small group, a regular exercise we do is to state our purpose for coming by writing it down on an index card. My purpose came roaring back at me recently as I served my church family. A volunteer group coordinates and delivers meals for new parents, the sick and grieving. I love the idea of making food to nurture both body and soul, and so I signed up. You never know to whom you will deliver the meal or when the need will come. You might think it's random, except we know that God's will and timing are never random. As the needs came, I accepted the service. I made the food, contacted the person, and arranged the delivery time. I would drop off the food, say hi, and sometimes go inside to unbox the meal. Sometimes I would drop it at the front door as instructed. Soon deliveries became uninspired. I began to ask myself why delivering the meals were not, was, was no longer fulfilling. These thoughts had me feeling resentment and then shame for feeling this way. The enemy was robbing me of my joy. And then in the devotional, you know, I, I always have some scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one was from Romans chapter 12. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And then it continues. I talked to one small group member, an anointed soul of great wisdom, and she reminded me what I had written down at group the week before. Quote, for real inspiration and ecstasy for God, end quote. Whoa, I had asked him for ecstasy, and here he was given opportunities to receive it by being his hands and feet. But I was treating this holy opportunity like a pizza delivery (laughs) and not like a chance to create relationships. I began to pray over the food as I made it or even purchased it. 
I tucked in scripture and inspirational notes. And whenever I can, I ask if I can pray when I deliver it. Have you lost the reason why you serve? Or have you never served because you wondered whether you could make a real difference? Jesus is waiting to give you his gift of relationship. Why rob yourself of that gift? Wow, that's gorgeous. I love your writing style. Thank you. You just just draw people in. It's your writing isn't like you're trying to tell somebody a story. It's like you're having a conversation with the reader. Mm, Thank you so much. I guess this perfectly explains why you're the assistant dean teaching journalism currently (laughs) and why you're going back to journalism uh, very soon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You're good at what you do. Well, I mean, he gave this to me. I've been writing my entire career, but I'd never written for him. I'd never used the gifts of communication for him. Now in church, I would read scripture. I love reading scripture. I have been a lector at church and that certainly is using part of that, but I'd never done this piece ever. And, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age and it's like, it's like, how, how did I wait so long to do this? Oh, I just love that you're doing it now. He finally reached in there. He's like, now, come on. I know, right? You got this. (laughs) I gave this to you, so you need to give me some back now. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had really positive feedback from it? Have people reached out to you and told you that you've been an impact on their life? Yeah, it's so, and you're so sweet when you hear that, either through the writing or through the podcast. And um, it's, it's, yeah, it just, it makes you feel like, this is what you're supposed to do because remember many of us do really feel imposter syndrome. You said to yourself, Oh, this is just a little podcast. No, your podcast <laughs> is not just a little podcast and mine isn't either. It's it's God gave this to us and he's going to use it however he wants to use it. So when we, but when we do get that, you know, those words of, you know, either thank you or I enjoyed it. It, it helps us keep going. And as humans, we need that. We don't really have to have it because we should be happy by the fact that God has entrusted us with this, this holy mission, but we're human. So it just feels good. You know, when we get a little pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. That, that encouragement to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had some pretty powerful feedback on both my autobiography and on the podcast where people are mm. like, you know, because of what you've done, mm-hmm. because of what you continue to do, I've been able to get the help that I needed. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool when that happens. So when people want to grab your book so that they can get this for a Christmas present or a birthday present for somebody, where are they going to go? They can go to, to Amazon. Uh, just look up Whispering His Ear. I have a companion study guide that goes with this. Basically it's discussion questions. So you can use it. The devotion itself has some exercises, but then I created the the discussion guide study guide that has more scripture and discussion questions that you can use like in a small group or just, you know, any kind of a, of a group. Uh, So that's available. And then I decided that I wanted more people to be able to hear these messages that God gave me. So most recently it's been translated into Spanish. And so I'm Ooh. so proud of that. I don't speak Spanish, so I'm, I can't really say the title, <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to Amazon, you will see those three books. It's it's I've made it into a devotional series. So you'll see all of them. 
um, there. But but also, um, you know, one of the things I started doing when I came back from that retreat where I had a kind of a breakthrough with talking to God was write songs. Now I'm not musical, but um, I wrote, I write lyrics, which are also poems in a way. So I also have that book of poetry, as you, as you mentioned, um, called Lyrics from My Faith. And that's there too. Very cool. And you mentioned earlier that you originally wanted your uh, podcast to be about hair and beauty and politics and you changed that so yeah. instead you wrote a book about it yeah exactly so there is a book about just that uh, but I love it because it's not just my voice it's the voice of 14 others that talked about their hair journey and it, you know that may sound silly to some but our hair is very important to us and I have uh, I have it's not all women it's one man as well who made a significant hair decision. And so it's called Hair Goddess, but I do have one male voice in there as well. And uh, mostly African-American females, but I have a Latina who writes about her uh, hair journey and uh, a white woman who grew up in a cult-like situation where hair was treated as, um, oh, they what's the word I'm looking for? It, they, they didn't have any control over how they could, how they could do their hair. Oh, wow. um, it's a really interesting story. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I love that book. That is cool. I may have to check that one out first. <laughs> um, I actually have a little bit of a hair story myself. When I oh, yeah? was, the last time I was trafficked, I had short red hair at the time. Mm. When I got out of there, I immediately started working on growing my hair out. And I considered for a long time, dying at dark brown to go into hiding mm. when finally I decided I am a redhead I've always been a redhead other than the span of time when my mother decided to bleed it, bleach it blonde when I was a teenager because she hated it <laughs> and I needed to retain some sense of my identity so I fought myself really hard on dyeing my hair and finally I heard from God and he said stop Stop trying to change who you are. I made you who you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. mm. And that's when I started learning how to fight back for myself and stop hiding. That is such a beautiful story. Um, you're right. Hair is a really big part of our identity. Um, and hair changes. It grays. If we get sick, it falls out. Um, when we are, you know, in our teenage years and, and we're just beginning to understand ourselves, you know, we do all kinds of things to it just to kind of figure, you know, figure out who are we, right? Yeah. So it really, it really is. And I always say, do what you want. Um, right now, especially in the African-American community, but other communities too, the idea of wearing your hair naturally, not putting straightening chemicals in it or things like that is a big discussion. And so part of that is in this book. Um, but I say, you know, wear it however, you know, how you're comfortable. I mean, there's a lot of women uh, who do want to dye their hair because, again, gray hair makes you feel old. Should we be proud of our gray hair? Of course. But, you know, sometimes we don't want to look gray. <laughs> so, but that, those. that doesn't mean we don't love the hair God gave us. But <laughs> I always joke. I tell people that I was born a strawberry blonde these days. It's just bottle fed. <laughs> I like that. That's good. I mean, your, your hair story, if, you know, if I ever update this book, your hair story has got to go in there. 
Oh, I'd love yeah, that. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I love reading about people's uh, kind of perspective on how they see themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of a big thing for me. Now, a lot of times, the way we see ourselves is directly related to the events that have happened in our life, and that can alter our perspective in so many different ways. Yes. There are trauma synapses that are built in our brains when we've experienced something that's traumatic. It can change the way that we see ourselves and the way that we present ourselves outwardly. So when I wrote my autobiography, the cover is half of my face and a whole lot of my hair. And it's because my identity was so closely tied to exactly that half Mm. of who I was, but all this red hair. I had to have that be a major focus on the cover of the book. And I just have a question for you. If I, if, if I may ask, sure. Like the girl who grew up in that very kind of cloistered community where the, a man told you what to do with your hair. Did you also have that same experience? I did many times over. Um, When I was really little, it was my father saying that he didn't want anybody to cut my hair. Mm -hmm. So my hair was going to be long no matter what. When I was a teenager, my mother bleached it blonde. It it came out carrot orange because I had so much natural red in my hair that she had to bleach it several times. It came out the color and consistency of straw, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was awful. But especially during the stages of trafficking and abuse and all of the stuff that I went through, I was constantly being told what I should and should not do with my hair. The only reason that I cut my hair off in 2004 is because I was married to an extremely controlling man who thought that I would look good with short red hair. Mm -hmm. Um, It was because of him that my hair ended up getting me on alias and will and grace and modeling for Harley Davidson and doing some really incredible things because I had this short red hair, this sassy, they called it European look. Ah. And it was very beneficial to me, but had I been able to make my own decisions at the time, I never would have cut my hair. My identity was so closely tied with my hair that it had to stay long in my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned Will and Grace, and I think about her hair. Yeah. Yeah, Deborah Messing's long, curly hair. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. it was gorgeous, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was her natural color or not, but, you know, that, that really deep, rich auburn was beautiful. Yep. And that, from what I understand, that was her natural hair color. And if you remember, if you ever watched the show, the woman who played her mother was Debbie Reynolds, who was Carrie yes. Fisher's mom. Yes, right. So... so The episode that I was on, Debbie Reynolds was also on, and I can clearly remember hanging out with her backstage. She had her hair freshly dyed because, of course, at that age, she was uh, quite silver. Mm -hmm. And she had dyed her hair to be the appropriate look to be Deborah Messing's mother. Mm -hmm. And Debbie Reynolds, standing there in her bright red hair, I'm looking at this woman going, I have idolized you since I was 10. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say something. What do I say? Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to talk to them. They're focusing, they're concentrating on what it is that they need to do. And I just knew, you know what? I gotta say something because this is probably the only opportunity I'm ever gonna have to talk 
to Debbie freaking Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just walked up to her. I said, you know, I got to tell you, I've always loved you as a redhead. She said, thanks. I guess that's why God made me one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. And we all thought she was blonde all this time. Yeah. Yep. She actually had naturally red hair and Hollywood got a hold of it and kept her blonde for a long time. A long time. Yeah. I never, I did not know that she was a natural redhead. Very interesting. Right. It's kind of the opposite with Ann Margaret. Everybody thinks that she's a natural redhead, but she's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of bizarre hair stories here. I love that we got on that subject. Um (laughs) (laughs) I should probably wrap up this episode though. Um, we're going into 40 minutes and usually I try to keep them kind of confined to about 27 to 30, but this one's kind of special. So I don't mind going a little over, um, but I have two last questions that I love to ask people. Um, the first one is how do you celebrate your wins in life? Mm. Well, first, definitely giving praise to God. And, you know, we should praise him at all times. It just we praise him. We praise him when it's things are going bad. We praise him when things are going good. So I have to say that first. Um, and, you know, and just just enjoy like if something good happens to me, I'm not the kind of person to yell and scream like this is kind of random. But if I am at a casino and I don't I'm cheap, so I really don't like to spend money at a casino. <laughs> but if I happen to go because I'm with a friend or somebody from out of time and when I if I were to win something, I just sit there very quietly and just say, oh, I just won some money. You know, I I'm, I enjoy it quietly. Right. <laughs> so if I have a win, like, you know, getting a new job or just something like that, I, I'm just I'm I'm letting it sink in. I, you know, I'm a fairly modest person. Um, I I wouldn't consider myself prideful at all, but I definitely don't want to be prideful. So I'm always I am always making sure that I am not acting or at least I try to act prideful. So I'm just I'm just I'm taking it in and I'm just enjoying it, you know, within myself. If if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I'm kind of private with that kind of stuff too. By cooking a steak at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, if somebody wants to throw me a party, I'm all for that. (laughs) (laughs) Say, I'm weird about parties. I think it's my introvert side. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely. I'm an extrovert. I'm just a pure extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) I get too many people around me, and I can't decipher one voice from another. My, my brain mm-hmm. starts shutting off. It's like I can't follow up this conversation anyway, so I'm 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 just checking out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and my other question is always my favorite one. What's one thing that you love about yourself that's not related to your physical appearance? Mm. I love that I have an uh, an easygoing nature that I am a highly reasonable person and that I believe that we are all, you know, brothers and sisters, well, daughters, I should say daughters and sons of, of God. And we should treat each other like that. Um, that is what I'm most proud of. And I'm, and I say that because people notice it in me. And, and that's kind of cool when, when they do, 
I've been in, I've been in, you know, kind of stress. I've been a manager for a long time. So I've been in stressful situations um, where, you know, I've had, I've had to, I've had to let people go or I've had to do things that are difficult. Um, I've had to cover some difficult things as, as I told you before. And um, God's given me the ability to just be able to deal with it. Um, but also um, find, you know, just being able to find reason uh, and not, you know, not get all upset or, or in the moment. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world. And sometimes it makes me very angry. But when I talk to people about them, I know that I have to have reason. And um, God gave man reason. You know, he didn't give, that's the one thing he didn't give to animals. And so I feel that that's something that's in me that I'm, I'm proud of. Definitely something worth being proud of. Pretty awesome. I love who you are. I just think you're an incredible person and you've got such a a wonderful story to be able to share with the world. And, you know, you're evangelizing. It's Mm. super cool. It's really cool to be able to sit back and watch this from the outside and get to talk to you now. Um, and, and experience your story for myself. I mean, you're amazing. God has done amazing things with you. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda. And thanks for having me on the show. And we're going to talk, we're going to talk some more because, you know, we're going to, I, we need to, you need to get on the joy show. (laughs) I would love to have you on. Yes. Yes. That'd be cool. Yes. Well, we have to catch up some more anyway, because I'm going to have you do uh, like a quick follow up closer to Christmas, I think. Uh, So we can see how your journalism career is catching on again and um, see if we might be able to update people on how things went when we hung out. Because I I know that I'm going to make huge efforts to make that happen when you're in town. Yes. Yes. That's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Oh, I can't wait to meet you in person, lady. You're Mm -hmm. awesome. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. So the last time we were talking, you were just in the middle of moving. You were just about to start a new job. And how's everything going now? Oh, my goodness. So much has happened. It's been so crazy. Um, Job is great. I really enjoy being back in industry. So you'll you'll recall that the Lord called me back to to full-time journalism um, away from um, academia, which I thought I would retire in, uh, but back to full-time journalism. And it's, and this time it's an opinion and, uh, which is great because I, I am actually able to give perspectives, which is really why I think he called me back to use my voice during this time, uh, because there's a lot of things going on both locally and in the world. And so, um, so, so it's been going very well. I've been writing quite a bit more than I thought I would. I've been writing quite a few articles. I didn't think I was going to have to do that in this job, but I am. So that's great. So it's going well. The, the moving transition was problematic. Um, my dog died about a month after we got there. Oh. So that was bad. But um, and some of your listeners may know this, but we had a very challenging move-in story. Uh, again, all God. But uh, I got there, car packed, dog and cat in the car. And when I pull up to the house, I see a car in my driveway. Well, as it turns out, long story short, as it turns out, there was a woman and her family living in my home 
thinking that they had rented it from a scam artist. They rented it from a scam artist. And so, but they thought it was real. So when I got there eight o'clock at night and all the offices are closed and I can't call anybody, I just have to figure out where I'm going to take the dog and cat that night. So I go to a hotel and my husband joins me later and we're just sitting there on, you know, it was two queens and we're sitting there on each side of the bed, just looking at each other, like, what are we going to do? And uh, ultimately I just realized that there was nothing we could do and we just had to trust. Literally, there was nothing we could do in that moment. And so somehow I was able to fall asleep. And the next morning I started making my phone calls and um, it took, before noon, God had fixed it. Before noon, the police came, I had a lawyer. Um, they, they realized, because listen, I think they knew something was up, but it was, what's happening is scam artists prey on very desperate people. And so you know, if when they thought about it, they said, you know what, this has been weird this whole time. We never met the so-called owner. We had to pay him through Western Union, like all the things you're not supposed to do. And so while it was very stressful for them, and I did ask them, do you have a place to go? And they said, yes. I mean, it was kind of clear they didn't really want to have to go to that place wherever it was, but they did have a place to go um, because my movement was there. And I mean, it was, it had to, we had to get going, right? So it was so interesting that in that moment, that was a, that was a tough Monday night, but come Tuesday morning, you know, his mercies are new in the mornings and he fixed it all before noon. It was, it was just wild. Oh my gosh. And I can't imagine what it would have been like for that family. If you had put your foot down that night and said, no, you're out. They probably would have been sleeping in a vehicle. Well, yeah. Probably, and you were a blessing to them too. Well, what I'm really, what I'm happy about is, for whatever reason, they came to the realization on their own that something was fishy here, and yeah. that I that I wasn't trying to take advantage. I mean, I I had a legit legit lease, and um, you know, they had been preyed on, and you know, they you know they t- they were told that the rent was like half of what it was. I mean, this is what these people do. You know, they, they prey on desperate people. Right. So I did feel bad about putting them out, <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my moving company had to go, had to move me, put my stuff down somewhere and go back to Oklahoma. And, um, you know, I started thinking, okay, what am I going to have to, this was, this was the Monday night. What am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to find the storage facility to put all my stuff, a very large house full of stuff. And then I'm going to have to do some kind of legal. I'm going to have to go to court and, you know, all these things. But um, but like I said, when I, when I, in that moment, I think the spirit told me that there's nothing you can do, Yvette, you just have to trust. And so that, that's what happened when I moved to Kansas city. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I guess I was making a long story short because it was just, yeah. Yeah. That's insane. But you're settled now. Yes. And do you love it? Is it, does it already feel like home? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, there's still boxes. I mean, there's still boxes yeah. in the garage and boxes in the basement, you know, I'm still trying to find <laughs> stuff. You know how that is. <laughs> I, I know exactly how that is. We were trying to move this past August. We had the open house and then our lives got turned upside down and half of our home is still in boxes in the garage and my car is not in the garage. And well, that was snowing. one thing, one thing I, I made very clear to my husband, cause you know, it's cold in Kansas city. 
I made very clear that I will, this car will have to get into the garage before snow and he made it happen. So yay. <laughs> nice. Those good men, man. They're hard to find, but they're worth hanging oh, on to. <laughs> um, wow. And I have a new book out, which I'm really excited about. Yes. So, you know, I've spent the last three years talking to people about joy and telling them to, hey, whatever season you're in, choose joy, choose joy. But I realized, you know what? I've never actually helped them do it, like physically with a tool. And I wondered, I said, how can I do that? So I came up with an idea. And I have a, I have a new journal called Journaling His Joy. It's a six-month, it's really seven. There's extra pages in the back. But it's a, it's a six-month guided notebook to help you choose God's, God's joy every day. And so what I have for you in this book is um, daily pages, a monthly check-in, a weekly prompt with scripture. So say you, you know, you're starting your week, I give you a scripture to focus on for the week and a prompt to think about during this week as you journal. And it's true, it's truly not a Bible journal, but for my Bible journaling friends out there, and I know I love to do that, and for my friends who like to color, on the first page of, of each week. I have some little doodles in there for you to color. And so you can turn this into a little scrapbook if you want to. You can use it however you want. But I wanted to have a tool for people to actually say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try to figure out how to choose joy in my life every day. And it can just be looking around. I think one of the prompts is literally look around you. Like look where you're sitting there, look around you. Where can you find joy? Um, and, and lots of other things. And so that's out now. Um, great, you know, great gifts, of course. But I mean, I really hope it, I hope it helps people. I do. Because, you know, you can talk and talk and tell people stuff, but I wanted to have a tool to help them really visualize it and see it. So I I'm love that. So I already know exactly who I'm going to give a copy to. So I okay. did just order a copy um, and hopefully it'll land here in time for me to be able to give it to her with her little bundle of stuff for Christmas. Well, you know what? So for people who are so this came out Black Friday for people who are getting it for Christmas. If there's time and I'm going to do this for you, I'm sending some Christmas planner stickers. It's not a planner per se, but you could use it as one. And I found some some Christian. I said Christmas. I meant Christian Christian planner stickers for you to use. And so I'll send you some. I'll get your address after we oh, finish. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I will. That means I'm going to have to get two copies. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, we'll get two copies and then I'll send you two sets of stickers. Fantastic. I love this. What wow. else is on the horizon for you in this next year, Yvette? Wow. Well, I'm, I am doing more speaking. I spoke to a women's group um, very recently in the month of November. Um, I want to do more speaking. I really enjoy, you know, God has given me this message and I'm obviously, I'm imparting it on the, on the podcast, of course, but I love meeting with women. So if there are any women ministry uh, coordinators out there who might like to talk about joy or gratitude, um, really joy in the face of chaos, joy in the face of adversity. Uh, I'm your girl. And there's, and there's plenty, and actually there's plenty of us joy sisters out there, but I'd be honored if anyone uh, is interested in that. So you can reach me at Yvette, my first name, at positivelyjoy.com. And I also have a website, yvettebabswalker.com, which is also kind of like my speaker website. And so I'm trying to do more speaking. 
Um, I, I do have a new book I want to work on. I have a newsletter called uh, J-O-Y, Just One Yes. You know, basically when you say just one yes to Jesus, your whole life can be changed. And I decided that I wanted to write a book also with that title and talk about some of these extraordinary um, opportunities that my guests have been given and talk about some of their incredible stories and then a little bit about my story as well. So, um, I mean, the title may change, but I think it's going to be called Joy, Just One Yes. And so I'm working on that in 2024. Uh, I'm hoping that it will be done by, you know, by the Christmas season. So we'll see. That's fantastic. And I love the idea of finding those moments of joy, even in the moments of adversity. And, and yeah, because they are there. They it's exist. hard to see. Yeah. And like I always say on the podcast, I'm not being flippant. I'm not just saying, well, hey, just smile or choose. You know, I hate it when people say, hey, smile. You know, I'm not saying that at all. I know you can be in very difficult seasons, but if you if you do um, are able to to look around and choose because the father's given us, he has given us, there's some joy around us. We just have to find it and choose it. It will help you to so much in whatever circumstance you're in. So again, I, I'm not saying, oh, you know, just everything is okay. No, I know sometimes everything is not okay. Right. But it can be more okay when you're able to tap into the spirit and you're able to see just all the grace and mercy that he has given you around you and claim that as joy. You know, a lot of people think that it would be really difficult to smile or to find joy in those moments, but there, it really is everywhere. I remember, and I still have photos of me smiling and being filled with joy, even when I was being trafficked. Mm. Now, those terrible moments mm-hmm. certainly existed and they overwhelmed the majority of my life. But that didn't mean that there weren't those little moments where I got to hang out with a 10-year-old kid mm-hmm. and play games and smile and laugh and and pretend to put on lipstick and have it all over my face and just smeared. I mean, it was hilarious. And it was those little moments of joy that helped me to keep hanging on. I think that God gives us those moments to help you hang on yeah, and, and to take with you later. You've got terrible memories, but you have good memories too. Yeah. Yep. Those kids were hard to leave. That was the only part of it that was hard to leave. Yeah, yeah. But those kids are what got me through. They were wonderful. Well, Yvette, thank you so much for the recap, for hanging out with me. And let me know when that next book comes out, because I'll have you back on the show again, because you are an absolute delight to just hang out with. Well, thank you so much. I certainly will. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Don't forget to tune in 6 p.m. Mountain Time on Christmas Eve for a reading of The Night Before Christmas. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. There you'll find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted. I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune in to my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com.
You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash growth from darkness.